Councilman Caleb Collier said. I'm proposing that the city of Spokane Valley issue a proclamation stating that our city is a Second Amendment sanctuary city. Today on Church and State, we'll be joined by Bill Federer. Hello, Christian Patriots, and welcome to Church and State, where we strive to plug you into the pew and plug you into politics. I'm your host, Caleb Collier. With me, as always, Pastor Gabe Blomgren. Once again, your favorite far-right shock jocks and the most schizophrenic show you listen to on a daily basis. And of course, you know the only podcast that's brave enough to talk about faith and politics, the most dirtiest subjects, and put them in the same room with Jesus as our moderator. Amen. Hey, everyone, go on over to churchandstate.media and take advantage of all of these shows. Download them, share them with everyone. I guarantee this is another one of these shows that you're not going to want to miss. Uh, If you're unfamiliar with our guest, uh, buckle up because it is going to be a, a phenomenal history lesson. Uh, also, take advantage of all our fine affiliates. Um, just real quick, uh, you know, buy some gold and silver, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the 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 man who started FedEx just said that the dollar is going to collapse. Uh, that is a warning. That is, that is an alarm to all of you. Get in there. Get some diversify. Get some gold and silver into into your portfolio. Have some tangible assets you can actually hold. Uh, use that promo code church and state. You'll get a little discount. We'll get some of that money back. Caleb, rich dad, poor dad, Robert, Robert Kiyosaki just recently said he expects the S and P to dip by 70%. That's a lot of people's 401ks getting hit hard. There's one way you can protect it. Take 20% of all of your assets. I'm not talking just your 401k. I'm talking everything you own, including your cars, your dogs, your cats, your home, everything. Take it. By 20%, set that aside in physical gold and silver. We believe that that's a great way to hedge against all this insane inflation that you're already seeing at the gas pump, you're already seeing in the grocery stores. Please get wisdom. The Bible says he gives prudently to those who listen. So please take our advice. We're not trying to take your money. We're trying to protect your money. Amen. Hey, uh, so yeah, go to Beverly Hills Precious Metals and type in that promo code church and state. Also, you can donate directly to us. Just hit that donate button right at the top of the page or at the bottom of the page, whichever you prefer. And if you want to get a hold of us, church and state 1776 at proton.me. Before we introduce our, our guest, I want to say this. Caleb has been an unapologetics kick. He has wanted to rightly divide the scriptures and this, this dude is one wanting to understand the Bible. Well, is there such a thing as apologetics for understanding? Is this a Christian nation? There is. There's actually a way to defend your Christian heritage historically. We all love defending the Bible, but can you defend the argument that, oh, this is not a Christian nation. This is a deist nation. All of our forefathers were deists and there is no, you know, there's no grounds for you to stand on any of that so-called Christian nationalism. Well, I believe you're wrong. And one, yeah, of, the, they one, are wrong. one of the best people to actually do that is our guest today. So go ahead. Well, I mean, that's a great introduction uh, right there. So uh, Bill, thank you so much for joining us on Church and State. We really appreciate your time, sir. Hey, well, great to be with you. Absolutely. So Gabe just set the table right there. I mean, um, you know, that, that apologetics, I like, I like how you put that, uh, because I, I am an apologist, uh, and, and not that I'm apologizing for my faith, but, and I'm also an apologist for this nation. I love this country. And if you get into the history of it, the writings of our founding fathers, this, this deist claim just falls to the wayside. So Bill, with that setup, why don't you just take that and, and kind of walk us through that? Sure. First, nationalism is the opposite of globalism. Right? So they're saying, well, Christian nationalists, well, what's the opposite? It's globalists. 
And you have people like Klaus Schwab that, uh, with the World Economic Forum that said, by the year 2030, you will own nothing and be happy. Well, own nothing, that sounds a lot like Karl Marx, who said the definition of communism can be summed up in one sentence, abolition of private property. You'll own nothing. So Klaus Schwab wants to have world communism. And globalists do not like people that want to preserve their nations. Now, the globalists have lots of money, and they're funneling money to woke pastors and seminaries, believe it or not. And they're actually coming out with a curriculum called After Party. And they're wanting to train people not to get involved so they can do their globalist stuff and not be bothered. Um, so you have one is uh, globalism. Nationalism is the opposite of globalism. Two, nationalism depends on what nation you're in. In socialist nations, nationalism is bad like the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics, USSR. There are no human rights there. Uh, the Nazi, National Socialist Workers' Party, no rights. Nationalism is bad. But in America, we are a nation dedicated to protecting the rights of the individuals. And that's where you have Lincoln's Gettysburg Address, that this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom and that government of the people by the people and for the people shall not perish from the earth. So the word citizen is Greek. It means co-king, co-ruler, co-sovereign. So we are a nation where the citizen is in charge. That's a good thing. So nationalism depends on what nation you're in. Finally, nationalism used to be called patriotism. You know, I have a No Webster 1828 dictionary. The word nationalism is not in No Webster's 1828 Dictionary. Patriotism is. And so Christian patriotism has been encouraged by every president, Democrat and Republican. A couple quotes, George Washington, May of 1778, to the distinguished character of patriot, it should be our highest glory to laud the more distinguished character of Christian. Lincoln right? Got rid of slavery, 13th Amendment. He said, intelligence, patriotism, Christianity, and a firm reliance on him who has never yet forsaken this favored land are still competent to adjust in the best way all our present difficulty. So here in his inaugural address, he mentions patriotism and Christianity right next to each other. And then you had lynchings in the South by Democrats. That's right. Uh, Lincoln Republican freed the slaves. Uh, Ulysses S. Grant had the federal troops in the South to protect the blacks. And then when Reconstruction was ended and the federal troops were brought out in the Deep South, you had the Democrats passing Jim Crow laws uh, and black codes and started the KKK. And so uh, they actually had a 13,000 pages of testimony of the Democrats abusing and lynching blacks in the South. And so that's when Congress pushed through the 1871 Ku Klux Klan Act. And so Tuskegee Institute did a research and they documented 4,400 lynchings. 1,200 of those were white Republicans down in the South registering the free blacks to vote. Almost one out of every four lynchings was a white Republican lynched by the Democrats because they were registered in the free blacks. So Teddy Roosevelt, Republican president, he's the one who had the first black man in the White House for dinner, Booker T. Washington. Teddy Roosevelt said December 3rd, 1908, he said, as Bishop Galloway of Mississippi has said, the mob lynches a Negro. Every Christian patriot in America needs to lift up his voice in loud and eternal protest against this mob spirit. 
And so you had churches that said, oh, we don't want to get involved. We don't want to address the lynching. We want to just focus on our own relationship with Jesus. And, and he's saying, no, we need to lift up our voice. And, um, and then you have World War II and FDR. And he said, May 27th, 1941, the whole world is divided between pagan brutality and the Christian ideal. We choose human freedom, which is the Christian ideal. So Roosevelt had no problem defending our nation against the Nazis and Imperial Japan, and he had no problem supporting Christianity. Matter of fact, FDR passed out Gideon's New Testaments and Book of Psalms to all the soldiers. Blue ones to the Navy, brown ones to the Army. I have a copy. And in the foreword, he writes, as commander-in-chief, I take pleasure in commending the reading of the Bible to all who serve in the armed forces. He would be called a Christian nationalist today, right? He's wanting everybody in the military to read the Bible. Why not the Quran or the Bhagavad or the Book of Satan or whatever? And, uh, and then Eisenhower, uh, 1954, he says, any group that binds itself together to awaken us is a dedicated patriotic group that can well take the Bible in one hand and the flag in the other and march ahead. So we got the flag wanting to support our nation and the Bible. In 1965, 93% of Americans identify themselves as Christian. 93%. Wow. 69% Protestant, 24% Catholic, and then 3% of the country was Jewish. And so the country was predominantly Christian, and it wanted to defend the country. But globalists don't like that, and so they want to malign. Uh, you have Rob Reiner, who is a Hollywood, he was meathead in uh, Archie Bunker. He's still a meathead. <laughs> and so he did this movie that's coming out uh, February this year, uh, wanting to portray Christian nationalists as the boogeyman. Um, they even uh, have one person featured in the trailer as a Christian nationalist. They, they hunted the person down and interviewed him. The guy didn't even know what a Christian nationalist was. He was just somebody that they found that they, they filmed. So it's this uh, fraudulent film. And ironically enough, they are doing projection. Now, what's projection? It's a term that the guilty person accuses the innocent person of what the guilty person is guilty of. It's in the Bible. Potiphar's wife accused Joseph of lusting after her when she was lusting after him. Uh, the Apostle Paul was praying in Jerusalem. The Pharisees saw him, stirred up a riot. They're pulling Paul apart. The Romans rescue him. There's a trial. And the Pharisees said, we found this man, Paul, a pestilent fellow, a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes, who's gone about to profane the temple. And Paul said, they neither found me in the temple disputing with any man, nor raising up a tumult. Neither can they prove the things wherein they now accuse me. In other words, they stirred up the insurrection at the capital but of Jerusalem, and they wanted to blame Paul. Wow. It's like Nero fired Rome, but he wanted to blame the Christians. And so this is the typical tactic. It's the uh, instinctive response of somebody caught in a sin. Um, little kids do it. I didn't start the fight. You did. A yeah. cheating spouse will accuse the faithful spouse of being unfaithful. Adam did it to God. Adam's caught in a sin. What did he do? Well, this it's woman. the woman. Who gave me? <laughs> and so they are wanting to set up a woke nationalism. They're wanting to force their views down on everybody else, yet they're wanting to flip it and accuse Christians of what they're guilty of. I even found a, um, there's 
In 2010, David Axelrod, who was Obama's campaign advisor, he was on NPR radio. And he said, in Chicago politics, we have a tradition where you throw a brick through your own campaign office window and then call a press conference and say you've been attacked. Right. So so, you know, Hillary Clinton colluded with Russia and gave away a fifth of the U.S. uranium. But then she paid for a steel dossier to accuse Trump of it. You had Biden extorting Ukraine, saying, stop investigating my son uh, on C-SPAN or I'll hold back billions of dollars to aid. Well, what they accused Trump of extorting Ukraine. So they knew that Biden had classified documents in his garage. And so they intentionally staged a very visible raid on Trump's Mar-a-Lago simply for the headline's sake. They wanted to blame Trump because when it finally comes out that Biden had the classified documents, by that time, the water's muddied. The public's worn out on the issue. They've already made the decision and they can slip it out that, you know, Biden and Pence and others had classified documents and they get a pass. And so um, they accuse us of what they're guilty of. They're wanting to set up uh, this, um, instead of nationalism, they're wanting to set up trans-nationalism, mm -hmm. <laughs> trans-agenda. They're wanting to force that on people that don't want it. And, um, and so they're, it's, not, it's not nationalists that are the threat, it's trans-nationalists that are the threat. Yeah, absolutely. The, the globalists, the transnationalists, whatever you want to call them, they are absolutely the threat uh, to our American republic. You know, we're not a democracy. Uh, you, you were talking about mob rule there. Uh, that's what democracy is. It's why our founding fathers hated it. Now, you said something um, that, I, that I wanted to address. It's a very interesting point. Uh, the Greek for citizen, right, that we are the kings. Now, um, what we have seen is this weaponization of this, this term separation of church and state. It, it's one of the reasons why we named our show Church and State, uh, a pastor and a, and a former politician. And, and we're, we're aligned. We're working together on these things. If we are the kings, right, in this, in this republic, it's we the people, then it really destroys that myth of separation of church and state. Because if I'm a king in my own government and I'm a Christian, that's absolutely going to be how I approach any government system. I'm, I'm going to have my Christian faith, my morality, and I'm going to be addressing uh, how I think this should work in politics, right? Uh, I, I'd love for you to address that a little bit more. Yeah, so King Saul is the divider between um, England and America. And so the most common form of government in world history is kings. And uh, Nimrod, Pharaoh, Caesar, Kaiser, Sultan, Tsar. And as the centuries go on, the kingdoms get bigger because with military advancements, the kings can kill more people. So instead of Cain killing Abel with a rock, they can kill with a bronze weapon, an iron weapon, a phalanx spear that the Greeks had, a scimitar sword that the Muslims had, gunpowder that the Chinese invented, or, uh, you know, the, the weapon improves, but it's that same fallen nature of Cain killing Abel. And with technological advancements, these kings can track more people. So 2 BC, Augustus Caesar wanted a worldwide tracking system. He called it a census. If he could have had 5G and cell phones and facial recognition software, he'd have been tempted to use that. And so you have this top-down form of government that goes all the way back to Nimrod. So um, Noah's Ark lands, Mount Ararat, you have the Tigris, Euphrates rivers come down and end up in the, you know, the Persian Gulf. Well, that is called the Fertile Crescent, and that's where Nimrod built his tower. And Josephus, the Jewish commentator, said Nimrod wanted to build the tower so high that if God destroyed the world again with a flood, he could survive on top. And then Nimrod made everybody in town bake bricks and bring them, or he would kill them. So it was defiant against God, oppressive over man. And he wanted to build a name for himself. In other words, this was the first attempt at a one-world government. 
right? The population of the world was over there and he wanted to control it. And so this was the first attempt at a one world government, but God comes down and confuses the languages and the people scatter into language groups that turn into nations. Nations were God's invention to postpone a one world government. Break the population into different groups, they'll sort of compete with each other and cancel each other out. But every generation, you have a king that wants to conquer other nations. And left unchecked, he would have been happy to keep conquering until he conquered the world. So basically, any one of these dictators could have been the Antichrist. Uh, you know, you have Attila the Hun with an army of a half a million men wiping out cities in Europe. You have Genghis Khan in the 1200s, um, killing 30 million people from Korea to Hungary. If he hadn't have died, he'd have been happy to keep killing, you know, Napoleon, any one of them. And so um, anybody that can plot on a graph sees that at some point it's going to max out on a global level. And Jesus says wheat and tares grow together till the harvest. And so it's almost like the crisis of each generation is an opportunity for the people that are alive to show whose side they're on. And some people run away and hide and uh, live in a cave and, and give up their freedom, take the mark of the beast. Like, how can I survive unless the government's my nanny? And other people rise up and say, okay, God, there's a crisis. Where do you need me? And like the early church, when they were persecuted, they prayed for boldness. Mm -hmm. So the crisis is basically pushing people to reveal on the outside what they say they believe on the inside. And um, so mo the most common form of government is kings. And you, what the king believed, the kingdom had to believe. And Nebuchadnezzar, when I blow my trumpet, you bottom my statue. That was the norm until something happened called the Reformation. And in 1517, Martin Luther starts the Reformation, and you have large percentages of countries not believing the way their king does. And the kings don't like this. And so the Spain controlled the Netherlands. And... When the Reformation happened, Philip II, King of Spain, 1572, sends the Iron Duke of Alba to Antwerp, Holland. He commits the Spanish Fury, and he kills 10,000 of these Dutch Reformed Protestants and leaves their bodies in the streets. And um, and there was, you know, Protestants killing Catholics, Catholics killing a lot of killing going on, but we're talking about kings. And, and so you have the Queen of France, Catherine de Medici, and there are 10% of France is Huguenot Protestant, and she didn't like that. So she arranges a marriage. She's The husband dies. She's ruling France through a young son. And she decides to have a wedding in Paris of her daughter, Margaret, with the main Protestant leader, Henry of Navarre. And so a couple of days after the wedding, she has her soldiers pull chains across the streets. This is the year 1572. And uh, when the chains are across the streets, the carriages cannot ride out of town. And then she sends her soldiers house to house, and they kill 30,000 of these Huguenot leaders, throw their bodies in the Seine River. It's called the St. Bartholomew's Day Massacre. And so you have people struggling. What do we do with Romans 13? Let everyone be subject to the governing authority, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. But what if the authority that exists is wanting to kill your wife and kids? And so you had people protesting, and they were nicknamed Protestants, Protestants. One of them was John Calvin, and he writes, We are subject to the men who rule over us, but subject only in the Lord. If they command anything against him, let us not pay the least regard to it. 
In other words, it's like uh, Ephesians 6, children obey your parents. But what if there's a bad parent right. and he tells the kids to sell themselves into prostitution and kill the neighbor? Is the child supposed to obey that parent? No, the child obeys the parent as long as the parent's telling them to do something that lines up with God's word. You obey the government as long as the government is telling you to do something that lines up with God's word. Why would God tell you to do something in his word and then tell you to submit to a government that tells you not to do what he just got done telling you to do? And so Martin Luther King Jr., letter from the Birmingham jail, 1963, said, one may well ask, how can you advocate breaking some laws and obeying others? The answer lies in the fact that there are two types of laws, just and unjust. One has not only a legal, but a moral responsibility to obey just laws. Conversely, one has a moral responsibility to disobey unjust laws. How does one determine whether law is just or unjust? A just law is a man-made code that squares with the moral law or the law of God. And so you had uh, these Calvinist Puritans coming up with this form of government where there's no king. It's called a covenant form of government. They got their idea from the Bible from the first 400 years out of Egypt before King Saul. So around 1400 BC, you have millions of Israelites come out of Egypt and there's no king for 400 years. Everybody is taught the law and everybody is personally accountable to God to follow the law. And it worked until the priest stopped teaching the law. He said the priest stopped teaching it. Yeah, here's Eli, the high priest. His own sons are sleeping with women in the very tent where the Ark of the Covenant is. Another Levite with a silver graven image in the house of a guy named Micah, the tribe of Dan comes along and steals the graven image and tells this Levite, come along with us. You can be a priest to our whole tribe. And you're reading the story, scratching your head, saying, what's this Levite doing with the graven image? Isn't it one of the commandments? You're not supposed to have them. And then the terrible story of a Levite with a concubine. The law says the Levite's to marry a virgin of his own tribe. Here he is with the woman he's not even married to. He's not following the law. And then the poor girl is raped to death by a bunch of sodomites. Something about that behavior that appears at the last stages of a people ruling themselves, this casting off of self-restraint. And so the people all go to Samuel the prophet, and they say this self-government system's not working. We want to be like the other countries. We want a king. Samuel cries, and the Lord tells him, they did not reject you. They rejected me. They get King Saul. And then Saul is pouting that his son, Jonathan became friends with David, turns to his soldiers. He goes, you soldiers know about this, but you're not telling me. Uh, you don't care. And one soldier, Doeg the Edomite, said, King, I'm your friend. I saw David go to this town, and the priests gave him some bread and the sword of Goliath that was stored there. And Saul said, bring those priests to me. Well, they show up, and Saul turns to his soldiers and says, kill them. And the soldiers hesitate. And Doeg the Edomite goes out there and kills them all, about 70 of them. What just happened? The soldiers were still operating under the old system, mm -hmm. where everybody is accountable to God to follow the law. And the law says you need two or more witnesses before you condemn somebody to death. There's only one witness, this Doeg guy. And they're hesitating. Okay, King, you're telling me to kill, and there's only one witness, and I'm accountable to God. They still have a conscience. 
Doeg says, King, I'm going to surrender my conscience to you. You tell me to kill, I'll kill. Tell me to kill the baby in the womb, I'll kill it. You wow. tell me there's no more female, I'm just a bunch of mush. And so why is this important? Because the kings of England looked to the Bible for their authority, but they looked to the King Saul and on part of the Bible. The Calvinist Puritans that founded New England, they looked to the pre-King Saul period of the Bible. Right. 400 years, millions of people, no king, everybody taught the law, everybody personally accountable to God and followed the law. And so where you have people saying, oh, just submit to the government, it's like, okay, why don't you go back to England and submit to a king? Uh, in America, the citizen, the people, we are the king. So Romans 13 is understood differently right. when in a monarchy versus in a republic. When you're in a dictatorship like North Korea or China, where uh, you don't get to vote, uh, you're a subject. You're subjected to the king's will. And yes, you just pray and submit and, and trust God. But in America, it's the people that are the king. A republic is where the people are king, ruling through representatives. And um, and so for, uh, for believers to not be involved in America, you're being a negligent king. You're like those kings of the Old Testament. And the prophet comes to him and says, you're allowing all these pagan, you know, sacrificing babies to Moloch. And the kings are like, oh, I don't want to, you know, offend anybody. And it's like, and you feel like, you know, reaching through the Bible and slapping the king. It's like, have some backbone, you know. And uh, But in America, the people are the king. And we have people uh, like when Rehoboam, it says, uh, you know, the his friends um, talked him into, you know, making his uh, stupid decisions. And while he cared about what people th thought about him rather than caring what the Lord thinks about him. And so we, we are upset at kings in the Old Testament because they're concerned about their reputation versus obeying God. Well, guess what? In America, the citizen is the king. And when you have the citizens realizing, hey, I'm accountable to God, they'll do good. But if the citizens are like, well, I don't want anybody to say anything bad about me, well, then they end up surrendering and um, being irresponsible kings. We, we're in this ironic time, uh, Bill. It, we see Donald J. Trump being tried right now to see if he has the constitutionality to be able to even run as president of the United States because of his involvement in what they're calling collusion to take over the country. So we, we literally have a situation where David... Nobody knew whose side was going to be the winner, whether it was David or Saul. Everybody as citizens, they did not know what was going on. But David didn't even touch the garment of Saul as, as he was tempted to, I don't know, he could have literally killed Saul. We saw a stand down literally on January 6th. Donald Trump could have, he could have done something. He didn't do anything. But now we see the nation kind of like in this situation where Biden is definitely... He, he's lost his wits. We, we see right now, like all of this going down. I feel like such a victim sometimes, Bill, as a citizen. You know, all these citizens during Israel's time period couldn't exactly do anything and join David in the fight. How do, how do we operate as Christians? Because like right now we see activists fighting against um, all, all of the left, or excuse me, the right. How do we as Christians engage civilly? Because 
like I, I see activism by even nailing the 93rd th thesis on, oh, we're at 2745. Yeah, yeah. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's, that's a great question. Uh, let's come back with that uh, in the second part of the show. Yeah. All right. So, uh, Bill, thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you again in just a second here as, as we start part two. Uh, but appreciate your time, sir. Well, I'm thrilled to be with you. Amen. Church and State is sponsored in part by Patriot Church and the Constitution Party. I'm Pastor Gabe. A calm does not suit me. I'm Caleb Collier. I was born for a storm. Welcome to the fire. The doctor that I recommend for all of your needs is the underground clinic doctor, Dr. Troy Spurl. Because Dr. Troy is the best doctor, bar none. You know, this is the great thing about officialsignups.com is it's in all 50 states. You don't have to be in, in Michigan or Minnesota. You can be in Hawaii, you can be in Florida, and you can find a doctor that you can trust. If you are still wearing a mask, if you have rolled up your sleeve and gotten all the jabs and all the boosters, then official signups is not for you. You want to go find the, one of those big pharma doctors that'll give you all the prescriptions you want and you can live a very sickly life well if you're looking for a, a doctor for yourself or maybe a doctor for your family or a doctor who's not going to push vaccines on you you want to go to officialsynapse.com you for sure need to mention church and state when you go to officialsynapse.com to take part in all the savings all the great deals for you and your family with the rise of the BRICS nations uh you've got a lot of nations that are gathering together and they're all doing a gold-backed currency the United States is not, and uh, the petrodollar is starting to fail. And my suggestion to all of you would be to get behind gold and silver because that is the currency that is always going to have value. I might not be a gold or silver guru, but I want to have something tangible in my hands at the end of the day. So I would definitely recommend every one of you go to BH dash pm.com all you got to do is look around and see that the price of of everything is increasing gold and silver is on the rise it's being artificially suppressed you want to schedule a consultation right now so that your families don't end up in the bread line and you're saying please sir can i have some more stop waiting what are you waiting for four years from now prices are going to be absolutely astronomical go to bh dash pm.com get a consultation now you definitely want to mention church and state it will get you the best prices it will get you the best consultation advice use church and state when you go to bh-pm.com mypillow.com has got more than just pillows you've got your slippers your bathrobes you have towels that actually dry you off not the kind you buy at walmart where it's just kind of a slick mess uh, they have got some of the best products out there the sheets are uh, absolutely incredible i think it's a thousand count it's it's the best products you can buy and the pillows even have silencer technology in it and so if, if you need a day where you're just going to scream into your pillow don't worry your neighbors won't hear you why would you want to go to bed bath beyond first of all they're out of business you want to go support an american-made product go to mypillow.com and then you're also supporting one of the nation's most, I would say, Jesus-filled and a company that is completely, completely built on the gospel of Jesus Christ. So you're getting a two-for-one there. You know you've wanted good night's sleep for years. You, you're, you're, you're tossing, you're turning. Just go now. Go to MyPillow.com. Use promo code Church and State. C-H-U-R-C-H-A-N-D-S-T-A-T-E. That's church and state. You do not want to eat synthetic meat. If you if you can grow a meat in a lab, if, if you want to go ahead and have Soylent Green on the table, feel free to eat this garbage that Target's trying to throw out. But if you want actual meat that's been freeze-dried, it's been then processed by actual human beings, 
Go to griddownchowdown.com. Look, the World Economic Forum has declared a war on red meat. They hate the cows. They hate the cow farts. There is supply chain issues. And uh, for me, you can pry my steak from my cold, dead hands. If you want a meat that's going to last freeze-dried 10 years or more, this is the product you want. I want all of you to go to griddownchowdown.com. Use the promo code Church and Steak. These are fantastic freeze-dried raw beef. The blood is still in it. You just rehydrate it and add it to your favorite meal, and you are ready to go. And remember, the Holy Word of God tells us, for one person has faith to eat all things, while another who is weak eats only vegetables. That's Romans 14, 2. This was sacred to God. Now this is exactly why I need some action for my people. Everybody, it's an honor to be with you.